the free for all roundtable round two here we are round two Clydesdale wagon of fun has just run me over. Jamal Myers is here, Toronto City Councilor, TTC Chair, music teacher Michelle Morrill, also one of the victors in the People's Voice Awards, and Bob Richardson is here, Senior Counsel at National Public Relations. Um, okay, by a show of hands, except that I can't see any of you, how many people actually knew that it was legal to cross a double yellow line on the highway? Bob Richardson, I had no idea. I can't tell you how much time I've spent behind tractors uh i didn't realize that at all i thought it was illegal to uh cross a double uh yellow line uh, i i think obviously we need to keep our roads safe uh, i think this is good work by uh by uh, an ndp mpp in bringing this to light and uh and i think the government ought to take advantage of it and i think they ought to fix it but uh, yeah. like you, I was very surprised. Okay. Michelle Morrow, sometimes private members' bills just seem like concern trolling, but I don't mind this one. No, I'm totally on board as well. I can't believe it's I can't believe it's not illegal. You think of where a double line happens, there's a curve, there's a rise in the road, or there's a dip. It doesn't make sense for it not to be illegal. Otherwise, what was the point of the double line to begin with? Well, apparently, Jamal Myers, it's a recommendation. Yeah, no, I'm with everybody else. I was surprised. I, I just got my driver's license, you know, last year. So I'm a relatively new driver. And we were taught in driving school, it is illegal to cross on a double line. So yeah, I think this is a good move in the right direction. Okay. And I'm curious, I realize this is a trend amongst the uh, the younger set, uh, delaying getting a driver's license. Most of us in my generation got it the day after their 16th birthday. What made you hesitate? Uh, you know, I just never thought that I would need a driver's license. And then I got older and I'm like, yeah, you know, I actually do need a driver's license. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's such, you don't really need it as much these days because a lot of people live in cities, they live close to transit, uh, or they just decide that, you know, they're not really interested in owning a vehicle for whatever reason. Yeah, well, I certainly know, without dwelling on this forever, that I think it's 50% of the people who live in the old city of Toronto do not own a car. And I guess for the, for you as the commissioner of the TTC, that's kind of cool. It's exciting. It's definitely good news. There's a good potential uh, customer base there. Uh, but now we've got to convince them to use transit instead of Uber. <laughs> So on the weekend, Ontario Liberals voted for their next leader. And now, Michelle, we have to spend a week tenting our fingers and wondering who it's going to be. I know. <laughs> I actually was surprised there was such a delay between when they vote and when the leader is announced. But I guess they're ramping up to Saturday, puts them on the radio or topics of conversation everywhere. I'm really excited. It was a one for one vote. And uh, I I haven't been following this race closely, so I'm interested to see if Bonnie comes out on top because it seems to be that she was the front runner. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who triumphs and then what they do moving forward because she doesn't have a seat in the House. Uh, Jamal Myers, I can't imagine, I mean, do you preoccupy yourself with the leadership of the Liberal Party? I assume nothing about your politics, but I think you're an NDP, or are you not? You know, that's a common misconception about me. I actually voted in the Liberal leadership race. No way, okay. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bleeding orange Liberal, as a lot of people like to describe me. Um, no, I actually voted for Nate. Uh, and, you know, I thought it was really cool, though, that this is my first election ever voting with ranked choice voting. And I really liked having the options of, you know, voting one to four. I thought all the candidates brought something unique to the race. And I'm excited for whoever wins. Can I ask you something? Because I, I haven't seen one of these ballots, but I mean, can you vote for the same person four times or are you required to vote for somebody else as your second, third, fourth choice? 
you're required to vote for someone else and you just write one, two, three, four uh, in the order of your preferred candidates. Okay. And Bob Richardson, again, I assume nothing. I know you have your affiliations. Are you a card holder? I am a card holder and voted in uh, the riding at University of Rosedale. It was busy, uh, lots of people out voting. Uh, this was really good for the Ontario Liberal Party. Tens of thousands of people came out across the province, which is great for a party that has been sort of left for a uh, political roadkill for the last uh, couple of elections. So uh, four good candidates, uh, people feel feel really good about it. Uh, it takes a week uh, for the votes because some of the votes are by uh, mail in uh, northern Ontario. So that's one of the reasons why there's a bit of a delay. But I'd say overall it was good. Uh, based on my kind of assessing of things, I you know, Bonnie Crombie seems very strong. Uh, maybe that's just here in the GTA and in Toronto. Uh, I know Yasser Nakfi has uh, support in Ottawa Nate Erskine-Smith did well in the north and uh, southwest and uh, Ted Shu in in the Kingston area. So we'll wait and see what happens. But it, all in all, it was a, it was a good event. And I, I thought it was pretty good for democracy. And is anybody going to know the outcome before Saturday? Is, you know, is there somebody sitting on a big secret or is it going to be a surprise to everybody? I think uh, there's supposed to sit on it and it be a big secret. I think each of the candidates has scrutineers, so I think people will, uh, you know, by scrutineering, uh, start putting the pieces together and we'll, we'll, we'll probably have a bit of a sense of it. Before the tech era, there was a whole generation of businessmen and businesswomen who, you know, the Lee Iacocas and people like that. And George Cohen was very much one of them. The guy who created McDonald's Canada and took the hamburger and the golden arches to Russia has passed away at the age of 86. I don't know if anybody of you, any of you have any personal familiarity with him, but I mean, Michel Moreau, just one of those incredible success stories and the kind of story that we teach at the Ivy School. Absolutely. You look at um, the trajectory of his career and what he was able to do with McDonald's. It's it's incredible. And from all accounts, I did not know him personally, but from all accounts, he remained like a generous, humble, hardworking man. And he really seemed to, to embody like the spirit of business, which is what we want. Sometimes when we think of business, we think of capitalism. But uh, George Cohen may have worked hard to get his businesses in places um, other than Canada, like Russia. But he seemed to retain that sort of like small business attitude. And I love that he started Ronald McDonald House. That is such a wonderful charity and a wonderful organization. And I um, I wish more people knew that. I didn't know that till I read his obituary. And we owe so much to him for starting that. Yeah, Bob Richardson, I met him numerous times because he actually sat on the board of directors of the company that owned us. Bob Richardson there? Has he disappeared? Okay, well. Uh, uh, no, uh, I think he was a great guy. He was nice. He was smart. He was successful. And you know what? He was fun. Uh, and I would say that would be one of the, the big things when people think of George go on and i apologize my fire alarm in my building just went off so that's the uh, great noise you're hearing behind me oh okay do you have to get out <laughs> no okay no. all right so everyone's <laughs> gonna listen to bob richardson burned alive on radio uh jamal myers i like figures like george cohen because they take the currency that is literal currency and turn it into something bigger and he was a great community leader yeah, you know, I was reading about him and it just it seems like a bygone era when you have that type of business leader of that type of stature who's not just as interested in creating a great business, but also interested in investing in their communities. 
And it's so it's rarer today, but you know, back then it was so much more of what being a corporate leader was about. It was also having a big philanthropic uh, foothold in the community. So you know, very sad to hear about his past. Uh, Montreal is coming up with a law where people with poor, as they say, personal hygiene could be fined or kicked out of a public library. Uh, Jamal, I'll start with you since you're a Toronto city councillor. This sounds like sort of a, what a thin edge of the wedge or whatever you want to call it, but a mean of trying to keep homeless people out of libraries, and many of them probably need libraries. Yeah, this is a very, very unfortunate bylaw. Look, I understand uh, people often feel uncomfortable when they're next to homeless people for various reasons. One of them could be hygiene. Um, But excluding them from libraries, which are sometimes the only place they have to go where they can access internet, where they can access a bathroom, where they can access warmth, shelter... Uh, I think is the wrong way to go. And we really do have to be careful of what direction we're moving in as a country. And Bob Richardson, I don't think people want libraries necessarily to be, you know, an, an extra part of the shelter system. But at the same time, there should be access. It's an, it's actually a necessity for many people. Well, I think we have to be smart about this. And, and we also have to be compassionate about uh, this sort of thing. But at the end of the day, libraries are about being libraries the same way the transit system is about moving people. It can't be become, you know, like a mobile uh, homeless shelter. Uh, and libraries can't become homeless shelters either, too, as well. Quite frankly, the staff are not uh, trained and prepared for these sort of things. So I think it's important. We've got to find a balance. Uh, but we have to be compassionate when we do so. Okay, Michelle, I just find myself very curious about how they would enforce, you know, is there going to be a smell test? Right. I think it's really interesting that they went on the hygiene aspect of it. Uh, If they had said if anyone is acting erratically or threatening or becoming, who knows, territorial about a table that they're sitting at, I could see that as more of a reason to eject someone from the library. But personal hygiene seems to be a really strange thing for them to focus on. And obviously not to the point of looking like I was homeless, but there was many times where I would take uh, my three-year-old and my newborn to a library after perhaps I hadn't showered because I was so exhausted with having a kid, like a brand new baby at home that I did not look my best. And I wouldn't want someone to turn to me and be like, sorry, ma'am, you can't be here because of the way you look. I think it's really strange that that is what they're focusing on. Meanwhile, uh, what a fascinating conversation we just had about super pigs and Bob Richardson. I am intrigued by these creatures, but apparently they, they can wreak some pretty awful property damage at the same time. I gather they're pretty nasty. I didn't realize it was uh, the big problem that it is. Uh, so uh, I guess we're going to have to get this under control sooner rather than later. But uh, this is one of those issues that I got I to gotta tell you, I don't know a lot about and I'm glad I probably don't. Yeah, well, we had Mary Delaney on, who accidentally became an expert in super pigs, and I guess she's now our super pig whisperer. Uh, Michelle Morrow, I guess it's easy to giggle about it, but if you're a farmer, this is a pretty big deal. Oh, this is huge. They're so destructive. And the description of them, they're like taking a rototiller to the ground because they're rooters. It's awful. I love listening to Mary. I think you should have her on all the time to talk about pigs. But it's crazy how they are spreading so quickly. And I think it's interesting that we there's a no-kill ban on them um, because in the past there's other... St- like it said in Tennessee, that they by killing them, it forced them, or by hunting them, I should say, it forced them into like spread even faster. But I don't understand how we can actually, lack of a better term, root them out without eliminating the population. Yeah, Jamal Myers, apparently they uh, like the Rouge Valley. I keep wondering if they're going to use that one day as a super highway and end up in the beach. 
Oh, no, I, I really hope not. Uh, I was a bit surprised to find out that they were actually created uh, as part of a government breeding program or from scientists. I mean, especially in the, in the 1980s, I thought people would have known better, but I guess not. Uh, it, you know, made the, the name Super Pig reminded me of like those comics, like when they created like the Super Soldier or something like that. But obviously not the same thing here. Yeah, no, but you're right. It's got all the makings of a movie of the week, except it's pigs instead of vampires or some sort of super virus. Thank you all. Good to have you this morning. Uh, Bob Richardson, hopefully everything works out in your uh, tower there. Michelle Morrow and Jamal Myers, Toronto City Councillor. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.